Tonight, we are starting a new series called Armor Up, okay? Armor Up. And this series is going to be uh, centered around Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 6. And I'd, I'd encourage you to bookmark that um, in your Bibles and, uh, and read it over and over because we're going to be coming back to this passage throughout this series. And so I want you to get to know it. I want you to... to um, to read it over and over and over. It's going to benefit you as a follower of Christ uh, as you dig into it. Um, how many of you guys have ever been in a fight? Be honest. Raise your hands. Wow. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you guys haven't been in a fight, but if we put this side against you, you wouldn't stand a chance. Okay? I'm just saying. Okay, uh, I'm talking like hand-to-hand combat, okay? Where you, like, no, no, yeah. Like fist fight, like knock down, drag out, okay? Wrestle, pin them to the floor, some kind of thing like that, okay? All right, you can put your hands down. Listen, were you scared? Were you scared? The adrenaline kicked in, yeah. Yeah. Was anybody scared? Raise your hand if you were scared when you were fighting. That's okay, yeah. Um, how about this? Did you win? Raise your hand. How many of you won when, when you also raised your hand for being scared? You were scared and you won. Once? Once? Okay. Were you prepared for it? Raise your hand. Were you prepared for the fight? Okay. Raise your hand if you started it. Did you start the fight? Lydia Spurgeon. Hold on. Hold on. I need to hear this. Jill, you started a fight? Jill, Jill Nimi, beat the, t- Josh, Josh is shaking his head. Um, I, Lydia, I need to hear your story, Lydia, because, shh, listen. With a chair. Did you, were you like foaming at the mouth or anything when that happened? Or? Okay. Um, I'll tell you, seriously, but okay, I have a confession to make. Um, I've been in two fights. I've been in two fights. One was out while I was on that solitude. I'm just kidding. Um, I did fish, and, I, and I, fought, I fought a catfish for a little bit, but that, that was, I won. Um, I've been in two fights. They're, they're really nothing exciting or anything like that. But um, I was a very weak young lad for a long time. And my older sister, she's three years older than me, she, she, could, she, could, she could beat me up um, for the longest time, like through high school. Um, I don't like to talk about it that much. So uh, she may or may not have thrown me across the room one time. I'm just... But back to you guys and your fighting. Um, so, so you start. How many of you started the started the fight? Okay. Just, just like fist fights or, or whatever. Okay. All right. Listen. How many of it was within the last week? Anybody? Leslie? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. 
Listen up. Shh, shh. All right. Even if you've never been in a physical fight with anyone else, okay, and, and if you haven't, that good for you. Uh, do you ever feel like that life is a fight sometimes? Do you ever feel like uh, maybe even one that you're unprepared for? Listen up, please. Okay. Um. Do you ever feel like life is a fight sometimes? Something that maybe uh, you feel like you didn't even start the fight, okay? Things are just piling up on you and and you're just not ready for it. Uh, You ever feel like you've been beaten up or knocked down by things in your life? You ever wonder why life is so hard, especially if you're a believer in Christ? Shouldn't uh, God feel close all the time and not far away? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever ever had a time where, man, I'm a a follower of Christ and I, I feel so far away from God right now? Um, shouldn't life be easier as a follower of Christ, with Christ, instead of harder? If you find yourself constantly asking that question, shouldn't life be easier with Christ instead of harder, uh, you may be in for a surprise tonight. We're going to talk about something that that many people either uh, don't believe in or don't want to admit to, and, uh, and that's the reality that there is a spiritual war that, is, that has been going on since the beginning of time and will continue until the final battle uh, happens that's described in the book of Revelation. And, uh, and until then, every believer has been drafted in uh, as a soldier into this ongoing war. And this, this quote-unquote call of duty uh, is so much more than sitting back on your couch with a bowl of nachos and your Xbox One and a wireless headset so you can talk trash to somebody uh, halfway across the world, okay? That, this war, listen, this war is real. This is real. You can't, you can't turn the game off and walk away from this. Okay, it's up close. It's in your face, and I'm talking. I'm not talking like long-range missile kind of thing. I'm talking hand-to-hand combat. And you and I, as followers of Christ, are called to be prepared for battle. We are called to armor up. But just like any soldier who's ever fought in any battle, uh, we are issued specific equipment to get the job done. And that's where Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 comes into play. And that's where we're going to spend the, the, the next six weeks looking at together. Bef- but uh, before we can grab our gear and, and head into battle, we, we need to do some recon, okay? We need to get some intel first. We need to understand what this war is about and who the enemy is before we can get in the fight. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, we're going to focus specifically on verses 10 through 12 tonight. But I want to read the entire passage so that we uh, kind of get the context of, of this series and what we're going to be talking about, and so that it's fresh in our minds as we begin. And I'm not going to read it by myself tonight, okay? You're going to help me. Uh, you have it open to your Bibles already, but we're, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be up on the screen, and I want you to stand up with me. Okay, go ahead, stand up. I want you to stand up with me, and, and I want to read this passage out loud together from the screen so that we're all reading from the same translation and it's not this jumbled mess. And, uh, and listen, okay? When soldiers shout a battle cry, they do it in unison, right? When soldiers, uh, when soldiers speak from a command that the officer gives them, they say, sir, yes, sir. They do it in unison, right? And so we're going to do this in unison, and we're going to do this strong. We're going we're gonna to proclaim the word of God together, okay? And so... I'll say ready, set, go, and then we'll read this, verses 10 through 18. Ready, set, go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Good job. All right, you guys can have a seat. Okay, um, that would be a, a lot. I mean, that was a lot to read together, but that, that would be a lot to try and cover all uh, in, in, and talk about all of those verses in one night. And so we're going to focus tonight on verses 10 through 12. Um, but tonight, I want to I make sure that we leave here with three truths, okay? I, I want you to walk away with three truths tonight. Uh, and I want you to write these down, okay? We're going to talk about each one individually, but for now, I just want you to jot them down, either in the margin of your Bible, uh, right next to this passage would be great, uh, or if you have, uh, you should have a note card, you can write it down there too as well. But um, here, here are the truths, okay? They're going to be up here on the screen too. Number one, the war is real. Everybody say, the war is real. That was kind of weak. Everybody say, the war is real. Okay. Number two, it involves me. And number three, I must fight or become a prisoner of war. Okay. All right. Like I said, we're gonna vo- we're gonna focus on verses ten through twelve, and so I want to reread that. Uh, and uh, you don't have to read it out loud with me. You can just follow along in your Bibles in the, uh, this time. So verses 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, the first truth that we need to understand tonight is that the war is real. We spent four weeks in our last series talking about the kingdom of God and how we as followers of Christ have been commissioned to do the work of advancing the kingdom here on earth until Christ returns. Look back at history for a moment, okay? Uh, how does a king expand his kingdom? By conquering it, right? How does he conquer it? By force, by war, right? By war. Uh, Through battles, he defeats his enemies and he takes their lands as his own. God's kingdom on earth advances through the battles fought by his soldiers. But we're going to see that this looks much different than the picture 
a battle that we're used to. I say that statement uh, that it's through the battles fought by his soldiers, but there's so much more to that. So I don't want you to get hung up on that yet, okay? We're going to talk about that later. For example, uh, we're fighting against, uh, or sorry, not for example, but l- let me ask you something, okay? Um, and and this, is, this is one way that it looks different. Are we fighting against other people in this war? Yes or no? How many say yes? How many say no? Okay. What does verse 12 say? Somebody read it from your Bible. Out loud. Just shout it out. Are we fighting against other people in this war? Are we fighting against other people in this war? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As much as some might argue, listen, shh, Our battles are not with other people. You might have people in your life that despise you or that you despise, people that bully you, people that you are not excited to see when you go back to school this week, right? Is that right? It's true, isn't it? Maybe even some people in this room right now that you just don't even want to look at. Okay? Uh, But listen, listen. They are not your real enemy. They're not your real enemy. In a commentary that he wrote on this book, on, on Ephesians and, uh, and on Philippians, John Phillips puts it this way. He says, we must see beyond people. Satan may use people to, per- to persecute us, to lie to us, to cheat us, hurt us, or even kill us. But our enemy, our real enemy, lurks in the shadows of the unseen world, moving people as pawns on the chessboard of time. As long as we see people as enemies and wrestle against them, we'll spend our strength in vain. In fact, we're going to see in this passage in Ephesians chapter 6 that it's not even our strength that we do battle with. That's why I said that uh, when, when God's kingdom on earth advances uh, through the battles fought by his soldiers, uh, there's more to that, okay? It's not our own strength. It's God's strength, and we're going to talk even more about that later Um, What's more is we don't even actually go attacking the enemy in order to advance God's kingdom. We make our advance by staying put, and that sounds completely illogical. Might not make sense yet, but again, we're going to come back to these things later in this series, and so I want to invite you to keep joining us each week as we go through this. Our enemy, our true enemy has a name. What is it? Say it loud. Satan. Satan. Okay? Or the devil, and he has a kingdom of his own. It's called darkness, and an army of his own. It's called uh, uh, that's made up of a host of different dark spiritual forces. These dark forces inhabit both the earth and the heavenly realms. Uh, this passage tells us the Bible calls Satan the prince of this world. Remember that through the sin of Adam and Eve uh, came the sinfulness of all man of all mankind and the corruption of this world. Unbelief and ignorance of God lead people in this world into darkness. 1 John 5, 19 tells us that the whole world is under the control of Satan. He is the prince of this world. And Paul also calls Satan the ruler of the kingdom of the air. In Ephesians 
chapter 2, okay, this same letter, uh, back a few chapters, um, this is where he calls him this. He calls him the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, which means that he also rules the evil things that are not of this world, namely demons, the spiritual things, okay? And uh, Satan has many other names in the Bible. He's called an adversary, the accuser, the deceiver, the devil, the destroyer, the evil one, a liar, uh, the father of lies. He's called a murderer, a thief, the serpent, the tempter, and on and on and on. We're told that he masquerades as an angel of light, but the truth is that there is no light in him, only darkness. Satan's called many things in the Bible, but one sums them all up. Can you guess what it is? What do you think? The enemy. The enemy. He's got a kingdom, he's got an army, and he's got a strategy with one thing in mind, to oppose God in every way. He's crafty, he's persistent, he's a, and he's observed the ways of mankind since man was, the, the very first man was formed. He was there in the garden, and he tempted them. So listen, don't think that you can outsmart him because he's had plenty of time to study the way we live. And we must never ignore his influence nor underestimate the power. But, but here's the good news. As believers in Christ, we never need to fear Satan. Yeah, he's powerful. Yeah, he's crafty. But because uh, even though he's powerful, listen, he's not sovereign. Amen? You know what that means? He's powerful. He's not all powerful. He's not the most powerful. He's not sovereign. There's only one who can make that claim, and his name is the Almighty God. Satan has never been, nor will he ever be, all-knowing, all, uh, ever-present or all-powerful. And while he opposes God, he is not God's opposite. There's a big difference. He might oppose God, but he's not God's opposite. God has no opposites. There is none equal to God. Aren't you thankful for that? There's no one who can match his power and his strength. In fact, Satan is part of the creation. God created Satan. Satan's original name was Lucifer, which means morning star or shining one. And he was the chief of the highest order of angels called the cherubim. He was full of wisdom and he was perfect in beauty. He was one of God's best works of creation for the purpose of praising God in heaven. He was, uh, his role was to lead the entire heavenly host. Think about that. All of heaven's creatures. Everything that dwells up there. His role was to lead them in the worship of God, but he wanted that worship for himself, and his pride became his downfall. As much as he wanted to be like God, he could never be like God. He could never be God. And because of his own sin and rebellion against God, Satan and all the angels who rebelled with him were cast down out of heaven. But his pride still runs rampant, and Satan continues to oppose God in this spiritual war that he'll never win. Uh, some might even say that, that uh, his pride is so thick that he's even blinded him, his own self uh, to his imminent demise. He thinks he still has a chance. So the war is real. And like any intelligent adversary, Satan looks for weak points. And since God has no weak points, since no weak point can be found in God, Satan looks for them in God's people. And that brings us to our second truth. 
The first one is the war is real. The second one is what? It involves me. It involves me. The war is real and it involves me. If you're a follower of Christ, make no mistake, you are in the war. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. That sounds like something you'd say to a soldier getting ready for battle, doesn't it? In both of his letters to Timothy, the apostle Paul makes warlike statements over and over and over. Fight the good fight of faith. Wage the good warfare. I have fought the good fight. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. If you're a follower of Christ, you are enlisted as a soldier. The war is real and it involves you. In his book, Spirit Warriors, author Stu Weber writes, Know it or not, like it or not, you and I are in a war. And we need to begin living as if we were in a battle for our lives because, in fact, we are. Every single believer has been drafted into the army of God. Do you remember that old uh, Sunday school song? I may never... Yes, right? We, hey, it's real. It's a good song. Look, we may never go into physical battle, and I'm thankful for that, aren't you? That we're not necessarily required to do that. But you'd better believe that as God's soldiers, we are called to fight. J.C. Ryle puts it this way. He says, the true Christian is called to be a soldier and must behave as such from the day of his conversion to the day of his death. He is not meant to live a life of religious ease, indolence, which means laziness, and security. He must never imagine for a moment that he can sleep and doze along the way to heaven. If you think that the war is simply playing Call of Duty on your Xbox while you sit on the couch, you are dead wrong. And that brings us to the last truth. Listen. I must fight or I will become a prisoner of war. Ephesians 6.11 tells us that the devil has schemes. He has strategies. He has plans that he uses in this war. And one of those schemes is deception. There's a quote-unquote gospel that's being preached in our culture today that's not the gospel. And this false gospel says that if you give your life to Christ, that you'll have health and wealth and happiness It talks about how you can get better things and and make things easier for yourself and relax. Well, in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul talks about taking action so as not to be outwitted by Satan and that we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. Listen, any true believer who opens the word and, and takes an honest look at it can see that this gospel, this quote unquote gospel of prosperity is a scheme of the devil. It's a gospel that doesn't have Christ at the center. It's a gospel that puts yourself at the center of it. What do we call it when we put ourselves before others? Not quite so scientific. Pride, right? Pride. Pride puts me before you. Who specializes in pride? 
Satan, right? Satan would love nothing more than to get you to focus on yourself and to lull you to sleep into a life of religious ease, laziness, and security. And when that happens, you become a prisoner of war. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. The enemy is the devil. The spiritual forces using people as pawns through their consciences that are seared. Satan's ultimate goal is to lull every believer into a life of fruitlessness and compromise through false doctrine and through sin. The Apostle John exposes this in 1 John 3, 7 through 10. He says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he, meaning Jesus, is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is the devil, is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed uh, abides in him, in his spirit. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Laziness and ease in the army of God is a trap set by the devil. The true gospel doesn't reflect this kind of life for the believer. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And he did so through great pain and anguish. Timothy Keller, a well-known pastor, puts it this way. He says, The basic premise of religion, that if you live a good life, things will go well for you, is wrong. Jesus was the most morally upright person who ever lived and yet had a life filled with the experience of poverty, rejection, injustice, and even torture. As followers of Christ, we're supposed to follow his example. I don't know how anyone can take an honest look at the life of Jesus and come to the conclusion that if we follow him, that we'll live a life of ease. Don't let Satan deceive you. You must fight. As I said earlier, this war that we're in will go on until the final battle comes. But here's the good news. The war has already been won. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can have freedom from captivity to the devil. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has rescued us. Jesus offers that rescue to anyone who will believe in him and surrender to his authority in their life. If you aren't a follower of Christ, I pray that your eyes would be opened tonight and that you would see that you're being held prisoner in darkness. Don't you want to be set free? Don't you want to come into the kingdom of light? Don't you want to experience true joy that, doesn't be, that, that can't be swayed by your circumstances? Don't you want to live forever in eternity 
with the, the God who created you? If you want to do that tonight, if you want to surrender to Christ and, and, and uh, receive his forgiveness, then, then do that. But here, here's the thing. Will you tell a, a leader, will you tell a hype leader? Because we'd love to celebrate with you uh, in your newfound freedom and, and your newfound joy and help you p- begin to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand firm in your faith. And if you, you want to do it but you don't really know how, or, or what to say, or it's not, look, it's not, there's no magic formula. We're called to confess and believe. We realize that we are not able to save ourselves, that our sin has separated us from God, that Jesus came and he lived the perfect righteous life that God wanted from us that we couldn't give him, and that Jesus died the perfect death as a sacrifice and as a payment for the sin that we have because we couldn't give God that righteous life. And then he rose from the grave to prove that he was God, and guess what? Ruler over all things. Don't you want to be on that side? Don't you want to serve under that commander? Do that. Do that tonight and tell a leader. If you're a follower of Christ in here tonight, can you feel the pressures of the spiritual war that's going on around you? Are you on the front lines or standing firm in your faith or are you uh, in the way in the back trying to stay out of harm's way? Listen to me. The war is real. It involves you and you must fight or you'll become a prisoner of war. This may seem like a daunting task at first, but I pray that the more that we get into the series, the more you'll understand exactly how God wants you to fight so that you won't feel overwhelmed. The truth is that we're never asked, nor will we ever be asked, to fight this war on our own strength. Thank the Lord, right? What does Ephesians 6.10 say? It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Isn't that amazingly encouraging We have the strength of the almighty God, the creator of the universe on our side. Over the course of this series, we're going to see from this passage in Ephesians 6 that it's God who will supply us with everything that we need to fight the enemy, including his very own strength. So as you get ready to go back to school and you think about that student that makes fun of you or spreads rumors about you, remember that that student is not the enemy As a follower of Christ, understand that those who oppose you have been taken captive by Satan to do his will. And in the strength of God, follow Paul's advice in 2 Timothy 2, verses 25 and 26, and gently instruct them with the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. They're not your enemy. They need your help. Say these truths with me one last time. Number one, the war is real. Number two, it involves me. And number three, I must fight or become a prisoner of war. Satan wants you dead. 
He's a thief who's come to steal and kill and destroy. He's the ruler of the kingdom of darkness, and he's uh, recruited an army to do battle against the kingdom of God. And as soldiers in this spiritual war, we're going to spend the next six weeks looking at what God has given us to do battle with and how he wants us to use those things to do battle. And so I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to start reading Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. We're not going anywhere else. That's going to be our main passage for this whole series. We'll see some, read some other uh, things in God's word. Because that's the cool thing about God's word is it is it's, tends to uh, agree with itself like all the time. And so we're going to find other passages that, um, that help us. But we're going to stay in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. So keep reading it. Read it tonight when you get home. Read it tomorrow when you wake up. Keep reading it throughout this series, okay? And I want to finish tonight by doing uh, what we did when we started. So I want everybody to stand up again, okay? And we're going to read the Word of God together with authority in the strength of the Lord and in His mighty power. Are you ready? Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Let's go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have equipped us not only with weapons and armor, but more importantly, importantly with your strength. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this series that we would begin uh, to understand on a greater and deeper level the power that's been given to us and made available to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Every believer in here has been given the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells inside each one of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be aware of the devil's schemes, that we wouldn't be outwitted by him because we are familiar with how he works. And I pray that we wouldn't swing too far the other way and become obsessed with uh, things of the spiritual dark world. We simply need to know our enemy, know how he operates, and we combat that with the truth of your word. Help us, God. I pray for those in here that are, are followers of you, that you would grow them uh, so deep through this series. And for those that don't know you yet, God, that their eyes would be opened and that they would reach out for freedom from their captivity. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said?